We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the pod is the roof, the official UNC basketball podcast for the field of 68. I'm your host, Riley Davis. I'm joined by my co-host, Jacob Karabatsis, and we have a very special guest. Uh, you know, JK, the, the three of us combined, I think we have over 40 points scored in national championship games. Does that sound about right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's like the good old Kobe Bryant meme. You know what I'm saying? 40 of me and you were just over here chilling. <laughs> yeah we got the 2017 mop carolina legend also for those watching at home my family listening at home it's my mom's personal favorite tar heel we have joel berry uh joining us for the first time so joel how you doing man man i'm doing well i love that intro man shout out to the moms man i uh my mom's a huge carolina fan as well that's part of the reason why i went there um, so love that intro, but man, I'm glad to be here and glad that you all reached out and, uh, yeah, looking forward to chopping it up with you guys. For sure. JK, how are you doing, man? How's your week been so far? It's been good, man. It's, uh, it's a little depressing, man, going a week without Carolina hoops. I, I really haven't been knowing what to do with myself. Um, it, it kind of <laughs> makes me, kind of makes me scared for the off season, man. Gonna, gonna lose my head a little bit, but yeah, we're, we're getting to the nitty gritty now. Got got a tough one coming up on Saturday. Got some fire questions for this pod today. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, same. Like you said, it is. Uh, it's a bit quiet, a little less stressful not having a game in the middle of the week, especially just because the, pre- <laughs> the previous three Tuesdays too have just been uh, you know, not particularly enjoyable. Very high stress, low and low. Uh, low joy experiences. But you know, I think I think this Carolina team they they started to figure it out. Well, I should say you're starting to get back to how they played during that 10 game stretch against Virginia Tech. And uh, like Jake, Joel, Jacob and I talked about this last week. We still had, you know, some concerns came up over the the three losses. But I, I think we have seen enough of a sample size from this team to believe that they can figure it out, that they can iron out some of the the defensive lapses that have pained them a bit in the in the recent slide and yeah, I, you know, we might not see Carolina go back to holding their teams under 30% from three or in the, the 20s because there is a little bit of luck involved in that. But I, I think we we saw it some against Virginia Tech 
uh, the ways they played a little bit more aggressively in their ball defense. They were better at the point of attack. Um, and I think we can see Armando sort of regain some of that steam that he had when he was playing like one of the best rim protectors in the country for a month yeah. and a half. But but yeah, so far, Joel, we'll get into some of your personal story in a little bit and some of the the listeners' questions they submitted on Twitter. But I wanted to get your take on this team and what you've seen from them, what you've liked, what you think could improve upon any general takes. Yeah, I think we're to your point, we're at the you know, the point of the season where everyone's kind of hitting a groove, right? Players are um understanding what the coaches are are wanting of them. Um and you start getting into just understanding how to play right now. And uh I think we're seeing that. So, you know, part of the defensive lapse is not the, not necessarily that Carolina is dropping off from that point. It could just be that teams are getting better at this point in the season, which you want to see. You don't want to be that same team at the beginning or uh, at this point of the season that you were at the beginning of the season. So mm -hmm. I think a little bit has to do with that as well. Kind of sort of to your point, you know, some look like you have a Syracuse team that shoots 63% from the field. Yeah. You're not going to win too many ball games doing that. Um, and a lot of those shots were very tough shots. Um, you know, for a Syracuse team, that's not sustainable over the year, which they haven't been putting up those type of percentages. Um, so that, you know, that's just an anomaly, but I think this Carolina team has been playing really well. I love the pieces that they have. Um, you know, RJ Davis is playing at an ACC player of the year type, type of year or caliber, um, even, you know, player of the year for the entire NCAA. Um, I like the pieces that they brought in with Harrison Ingram and Cormac Ryan. Um, Cormac Ryan, hopefully, with the last two games, seems like he's turning the corner, finally starting to find that shot. Um, but the pieces that they have, man, are are, are pretty good. Um, and obviously, I am a huge fan of having bench players and having depth come off the bench. And I think with having Seth Trimble, Jalen Withers, um, even Jalen Washington coming off the bench, um, that, that's the difference maker, being able to have guys that can produce um in different ways in different looks without having a big drop off which I think Carolina had been lacking in the last couple of years so overall man this team I think they're playing really well um obviously there is going to be some drop off at the end of the season with you know culmination of fatigue and just teams having a better scouting report seeing a bigger production um of plays and whatnot so being able to scout but mm -hmm. obviously this is a really good team with a lot of maturity um, and some of those uh, mistakes that they've had, they have the maturity to be able to make up for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I want to go back to actually something you were saying about Cormac and his most two recent games. I want to say I saw a stat that through the past three games even, he's something like 10 for 21 maybe from three. Um, yeah. Seems like that number's going up in a positive direction. Uh, and Joel, I know you had a pretty prolific career shooting the ball at Carolina. Uh, I want to say at least anecdotally, your junior year, you did a lot of that off the ball, senior, or excuse me, on ball shot creating. Senior year, the ball was in Theo's hands more and you had more catch and shoot opportunities. Um, and you played with some good shooters with guys like Kenny Williams, who had who had gone through some slumps as well. Um, Justin Jackson had his moments where he was his three point percentage was well below it was that national championship season. What can you say as far as like the mindset of a shooter or even speak to to what it takes to get comfortable, whether you're maybe playing in a you know, I think Cormac's usage is probably lower than it was at Notre Dame. And maybe he's getting more like 
step in spot up threes when maybe at Notre Dame, he was more used to running off of screens and more actions ran yeah. for him. Like, can you speak into that at all? Just for the, the comfort level with that. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's part of being able to understand, um, you know, where a certain player likes the ball um, delivered. Um, you know, I played with guys, you know, three, four years. So um, I could almost make a pass with my eyes closed. Uh, mm -hmm. just because I knew where my guys wanted the ball. Uh, Justin Jackson, for example, was a, a curl guy off of screens, um, off of pin downs. And he, I could drop it right there at the elbow because I knew he was curling for that, for that floater that no one can block. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, that's part of the chemistry that you have with your players. So for Cormac Ryan coming in from a different system to your point, you know, at Notre Dame, he was more off the ball a little bit just because that was his role. Now you have Elliot Cadeau and RJ Davis who are, you know, ball dominant. Um, and now you're playing in a lot of spot up uh, situations. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I saw a stat. Um, I don't know what the percentage, but I know that he's a lot better being uh, uh, un on, on unguarded shots than guarded shots. Um, so, you know, that goes that goes into it um, as well. But man, playing like with a guy like Kenny Williams, the thing that we told him when he got into a funk was shoot the ball. Whenever you get it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it and keep shooting. Um, and I think that's been the message for Cormac Ryan mm -hmm. It's like, man, don't hesitate, man. Just shoot the ball. We we brought you here to be a shooter. And that's what you can do. So um, it seems that he's starting to figure it out. But a lot of it has to do with knowing what spots he likes to shoot the ball, um, not hesitating when he catches it, yeah. um, and just being being ready, being shot ready when you have your opportunity. Um, and so I think a little of that has to go into it. Um, but they will need him to knock down shots, uh, especially if you have a night where R.J. Davis isn't hitting or Harrison Ingram, um, and they need to be able to have that third option from the perimeter. Um, and as we know, perimeter shooting is always essential. Yeah. Yeah. We can, you know, even you mentioned Ingram having an off night, like uh rare off night against Virginia Tech where he was 0 for 4. It was nice to see those contributions from Cormac. But JK, was there anything in that Virginia Tech game, whether offensively or defensively, that you were, that you found particularly encouraging or, or made you even feel better going into this matchup in Charlottesville? Um, well, for starters, the perimeter defense I know they still gave up 81 points, but like got back in that range that they're comfortable in. Like Virginia Tech shot 27% from three. They they did a good job of running them off the three-point line. They still they still got to the paint some. They got to the free throw line a lot, like at a shockingly high rate. But I mean, mm -hmm. they won by 15. They only gave up, they got back to giving up 81 points, but when the offense gets back up to near 100. You know, you can't you can't really complain. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of been the issue to me is that this team's just been like such a slow starter in losses. Like every time they lose, it's typically because a team has them out of rhythm on offense for the first 10 minutes. They're taking bad shots either early in the shot clock or super late in the shot clock. They're not really getting into their offense. And then, they, then you'll see it. They start to come back. Like, we've talked about this, Riley. In both the Clemson and the Syracuse games, they, they came back. And then at that point, the other team was just in such a rhythm from earlier in the game, they weren't able to complete the comeback. 
when UNC gets out early, though, and establishes their rhythm on offense, it does make things easier on the defensive end. You're not putting as much pressure on yourself to get stops. You're not putting as much pressure on yourself on the late-game possessions. Um, it, it was great to finally get a 15-point win. I Now, coming into Saturday, it, it, it's going to be interesting because with playing at Virginia – Always scary, which I'm sure Joel can talk about that a little bit. But uh, it's what scares me the most is that Virginia just shot like 32 16 splits against Virginia Tech, which inevitably means they're going to shoot 60 40 splits against Carolina, which sucks. But that's right. just shooting variance for <laughs> no, you. Let's not say that. No, let's get, no. yeah, I don't, dude. <laughs> this could be clipped. In, well, Joel, we actually do have a uh. We, we have a bit of a recurring theme on our show where every game that it started with Jacob picking UNC to lose uh, in the 10 game winning streak, like genuinely thinking we were going to drop these games and then Carolina would just win them. So we always have him pick UNC to lose now. See, we, I started we, a we, jinx. We, we got to use the reverse jinx, jinx wisely. I started like, a jinx because I picked UNC <laughs> over UConn and then I doubled down and picked them over Kentucky. Lost awesome. both those games. And ever since then, I officially banned myself from from pre- predicting UNC wins. What what did you do against Georgia Tech? Did you did you say Carolina was going to lose? I don't even no, think don't we even... we didn't. You you can't like abuse the power of the reverse jinx. So I don't even know if we did picks for the Georgia Tech game because we were like, yeah, <laughs> unless Miles Kelly goes off, Carolina's winning that game. And of course, Miles Kelly torched them. But um, yeah, <laughs> with this Virginia game though, like again, maybe you can go back and laugh at me for this. I just like. I don't think they have the firepower to compete with Carolina, even in JPJ. Um, I think that RJ, whoever, we don't have any Virginia fans that are going to listen to this and clip it and send it to Virginia anyway to get them more fired up. But whoever Isaac, <laughs> whoever Isaac McNeely is guarding, whether that's RJ, whether that's Elliot Cadeau, um, both of them got to be looking at him like this is food. It's lunchtime. Yeah. I'm about to feast. Uh, Ryan Dunn scares me. I think Ryan Dunn's one of the best defenders in the country. Um, but aside from him, like, I just feel like this is a if this Carolina team is who we think they are, and that's a team that can make a Final Four, that can win a national title, that's gonna get a one or a two seed, that is predicted a, the highest two seed right now. They need to handle business and think this is the year that the streak ends. I mean, Virginia, I think, is back in the fifties on Kim Palm. We've seen them get blown out a couple times this year. This is not like the Malcolm Brogdon teams that Joel was playing against, or even the Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome teams you played against. But what are, what are you looking for in this matchup, Joel? Yeah, uh, yeah. First of all, those teams were ridiculous uh, for Virginia. Um, by far, by far the best teams that Tony Bennett, one of the best teams that Tony Bennett uh, had at Virginia. But I'm like you guys. I I mean, Virginia. This is a year that they don't they don't scare me as much um, from an offensive standpoint. Like. I tell people you don't you don't put points on the board for stops. You know you put bo- points on the board to score the ball. You, that's how you put points on the board, and they just they find a, a lot of times they're not doing that, and their usage rate on Reese Beekman is like uh, through the roof, man. They depend on him for so much um, for him to play make, uh, and when he's when they're not, their other guys aren't making shots. Now he becomes the shot maker. And that's not necessarily his game. Like his game is very mid-range. 
um, you know, he gets to the basket, but he's really a distributor um, and makes really good passes. So forcing him to be a scorer is almost, uh, it almost plays right into your hand um, mm -hmm. and just stopping the other guys. So, uh, you know, luckily or for them, you know, they, they're playing at home. So that, that helps, you know, where the crowd gets pumped up because of shot clock violation or, <laughs> you know, a turnover <laughs> instead of uh, a three going in or something. But, um, you know, I think that plays right into their hand or kind of helps them a little bit, but, yeah, man, this team doesn't it, they 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 don't scare me as much, but they're when their defense is on and when they're making shots, they can be scary. But uh I just mm -hmm. don't see them stopping Carolina that much with the offensive power that they have. Like Jacob said, you know, they can they can put 90 90 on your head. Now, it probably won't happen because of the lack of possessions, but you know, still if they score in the 70s, that's almost like 100 versus Virginia. Mm -hmm. So Carolina can do that. And I just think that uh, it'll be hard for, for Virginia to get that amount of stops um, and then being able to put enough uh, points up on the board. Yeah. I think the key is really Cadeau um, because you, like you mentioned the lack of possessions, the way they're going to take the air out of the ball. Cadeau, I think we've seen points of the season where he's been so poised under pressure uh, I always go back to that Tennessee game where it didn't matter how much Ziggler or Vescovy was hounding him. I think it was really Ziggler a couple of times was all of was in his grill and Cadeau yeah. would just put a dribble move on him and get by him. Zero turnovers that game. But, you know, we saw some bad ones against Syracuse. I think he had five that game. There was, or maybe it was Miami. He had five against Miami. Um, had a couple questionable ones against Virginia Tech as well. Um, he's got to take care of the ball, especially if he's got Beekman on him, because you know Beekman's going to be the one trying to get those runouts, like the few times you see Virginia like actually <laughs> move quickly or, or on those Beekman runouts. Um, and, yeah, so he's he's got to be ready to counter that. But And then Ingram, I think Ingram's got to make at least – two threes hopefully three or four would be would be huge to shoot over that pack line but jk yeah, that's, is there the, oh, go ahead. that's the thing sorry i just you know no, with, good. With, with virginia's defense the the one thing you don't want to do is get get lulled into playing one-on-one -on -one, um especially coming off the ball screen like they hedged the screen so hard that you've already created an advantage so now you just need to lift mm -hmm. the guards up and get the ball out of out of your hand and i think that plays well into what Cadeau does because he doesn't over dribble. Like if he sees an open man, he does pass the ball. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's just making it an emphasis uh, to get the ball out of your hand. Now just play, you know, four on three from there right. um, and, and take, take, you know, take advantage of already creating advantage from a pick and roll situation. Yeah. And like you I mean, Armando has been passing the rock very well recently. Let him cook yeah. a little bit on the short roll, see what we can do there. But JK, what are you looking for out of this matchup? How do you think Carolina gets a win? First off, um, I think Armando's going to have a field day. Like, they're small. They play a four-guard lineup. Jordan Miner's only 6'8". I mean, Armando can go over the top basically anytime he gets the ball in the post. Like, he's been great 25 and 12. Basically, ever since the Duke game, Armando has been pretty dominant. Yeah. I mean, he's had a couple performances, but, like – He's been he's been back to ACC Player of the Year contention level Armando, which is the Armando that this team needs. Um, so I think Armando has to have a field day. Um, they only play like two bigs most of the time, 
in their rotation. They play so many guards. So that that's going to be key. Um, I also think, like, I just – this game would be one of those games where if UNC did lose, I would start to get concerned simply because, you know, I know I joke about the shooting variance and how they're going to go off against UNC, like, this team hasn't scored 50 points in the last two games. I mean, <laughs> realistically, you know, you can go back since January 20th. They've only scored more than 63 points like twice. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty bad. So, I mean, this is a game where even if UNC has an, has an off night on the offensive end, I think their defense is good enough to where it's not really going to matter. Like if UNC scores 66 plus points, I I, th- I think they'll win pretty mm-hmm. comfortably. Like, I mean, this Virginia team just, they struggle offensively. And I also think it's one of those things where once again, the start's going to tell us a lot. Like if UNC comes out and can get up 10 points early in this game, then it's easy because Virginia already can't score. Put them in a situation where they have to come back and they have to play faster. They have to allow for more possessions. Like they're going to be done for. So I think, Mm -hmm. I think the key for UNC is come out the gates fired up, put your foot on Virginia's neck early, get the ball down to Armando. They don't have an answer for him in the paint. And once they, I'm assuming once Armando has a couple easy buckets, they'll probably start doubling or at least hard hedging or playing extreme amounts of help on the weak side. That's when you start to, you know, get Ingram and Cormac and those guys wide open looks. I mean, I I think I, there's a lot more ways that I see UNC winning this than there are that I see UNC losing this. Let's mm-hmm. just say that. Yeah, and you saw like Virginia Tech killed Virginia in the paint and I Lynn Kidd has gotten a lot better this year don't mm-hmm. get me wrong but he's not Armando um and I think they can really take advantage of having a guy like Jordan Minor who's not a shot blocker mm-hmm. uh and even when Blake Buchanan comes in I mean he's a freshman you know that's 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 barbecue chicken right there you mm-hmm. know you want him in the game um, and I even think when Jalen Washington is there, if and we can't forget the J- Jalen Washington's like come out party was last year when True. uh when Armando got hurt and he came in and had a very impressive game. So I think even taking advantage of him in the paint as well, uh just with the lack of size and the lack of shot blocking ability, I think that can be an area where Carolina uh can really be dominant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to bring up one one factor playing at JPJ. Joel, I don't know if this will get you in trouble with the network, but refs in JPJ, man, like <laughs> <laughs> in some ways it's like they get just as many calls at home that like Duke does or Kansas. Honestly, <laughs> hey, I, because we do, you know, we acknowledge our fandom, but we'll be unbiased. UNC gets a pretty favorable whistle into Dean Dome. They've gotten a favorable oh, yeah. whistle. Everyone, everyone uh, does at some point, you know, at some but, point. <laughs> it's just in JPJ, it's like whether it's the moving screens and the blocker mover or whether it's just like how physical they allow Virginia to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just hope that it's not like Elliot Cadeau gets two fouls within the first, you know, seven minutes or something. Same with Armando. But 
Yeah, Joel, was there, you know, go back to like your your uh, your junior year that your Carolina won the Natty. Um, I think that game in Charlottesville, Kyle Guy came off the bench and hit like four or five threes or something. He just went, that was sort of his coming out party. Do you remember, like, do you have any good stories playing in Charlottesville or any of the, any of the ways that it was like, just speak to the way that that crowd is challenging or just why it's a place that Carolina hasn't won in since 2012? Yeah, I was getting ready to say I have no good stories from Charlottesville. <laughs> I want to I want to stay out of Charlottesville because I every time we went in there we had no luck at whatsoever. Uh it's just so hard, man, like playing against their defense um you know, sometimes it, it can almost feel like there's 10 guys out there. Um you know, in practices when coaches throw a six or seven player out there, which was the worst practices because I'm like, coach, this isn't realistic, man. Why, why, why are you doing this? It makes no sense, but that's how it feels against Virginia. Um, And so with, with that, and then all of a sudden you let them get a couple of stops, they score baskets. Um, You know, that crowd gets involved. It just, it gets rowdy in there, man. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, I, I had no good moments in JPJ and uh, I had, We've had some good moments against Virginia, but there are no good moments with Virginia because you know that just the the lack of possessions, you have to be very efficient um, and effective in everything that you do. You can't have any um, any ineffectiveness uh, with what you're doing. And I, I think that's that, that puts a lot of pressure on your preparation mm-hmm. and just going in there, uh, going into that game. So uh yeah man i wish i had more but all i can do is just talk about how hard it is because i i didn't even win at jpj so (laughs) hopefully that changes this saturday like i said it's time to see that streak Uh, end but right uh, let's go ahead and get into some of these mailbag questions uh had a several of them sent in on twitter and all of us can weigh in on some of these some of them are joel specific but then i had a few that were dm to me as well that i can read but Let's go ahead and get it kicked off with Tristan Freeman at HoopsNut351, friend of me and Jacobs. He's, he writes for Bustin' Brackets, does some content for the Field of 68 as well. Tristan asks this, which kind of guard is more annoying slash difficult to defend? A guy that can make 45% from three or one that loves to get to the basket all the time? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think the hardest one is probably a guy shooting 45% from the – from the uh from the three point line, the only reason why that that's what it was, right? Three point line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from yeah, that's hard because uh help side then becomes um a lot harder because all coaches, you know, you got to be at the midline if the ball is on the other side of the floor, or even if it's on the strong side, you know, your lack of help is uh you, you can't you can't help as much and then on a closeout you know it has to be a really hard closeout to the point where you might have to get off your feet just mm-hmm. to run them off of the line and now all of a sudden that person becomes a driver or you know either for themselves or getting someone else involved by you know pulling over the help side or whatnot um with a guy that can you know just get to the basket i'll just treat him like rondo you know i'm just sitting in there uh mm-hmm. and i'm able to help a little bit more give help to you know, if another team has a dominant postman being able to help help side and um, not necessarily worry about the three-point shot. But I will say this. Every time a coach has said, you can help off of this guy, he's not a three-point shooter. They turn into the best three-point shooters in the country. So 
it's a, it's a hard thing. <laughs> hey, case in point, JJ Starling against UNC a week ago. <laughs> exactly. Yep. yep. Point proven. <laughs> Banking in forty footers. Uh, Joel, this wasn't submitted by anybody. I'm curious, who was the the toughest guard you ever had a guard? Or uh, I guess you could open up to any player, but like during your time at Carolina. Oh, that is so hard. I've had four years of just straight work. Sometimes, um, I've uh, I think the hardest one for me that I that I just really like. It really made me question: Is Division One basketball for me? Did I make the right choice? Um, was Terry Rozier my freshman year uh, when he was at Louisville? So, uh, yeah, I was on a closeout situation. Um, guy that could probably knock it down from the outside. Um, and really thought that he pump, gave me a pump fake, drove to the basket. I really thought he was going to the basket and hit a step back. And you guys know how shifty he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and man, he put me out for eight weeks after that, man. I tore my groin. So, um, yeah, I think there's, if, if there's any guard that was kind of tough to guard was, uh, Terry Rozier, but I've had, you know, I've had plenty of guys, uh, Fox from Kentucky, uh, Demetrius Jackson from Notre Dame, um, Yogi Ferrell from Indiana, uh, London Perantes. Uh, I could go on and on, but that, uh, by that, by that time I end and the podcast will be over. So <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled up that game. You were talking about, uh, from your freshman year, Terry Rozier had 25 points, nine for 14 from two that night, only one for seven, uh, from three. But, yeah, so I yeah. May, maybe I wasn't paying attention, but that's what happens when you're a freshman. You got a lot of things going on. You get caught up into the game, and then all of a sudden you end, you end up being uh being out for eight eight weeks after that. So yeah, well, Carolina Carolina won the game on a I think it was a Marcus Page game winner, if I'm not mistaken. It was yep off the like high off, off the glass. The glass. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> I was at that game. I remember seeing uh, Theo Pinson sneaking into La Res later that night. So, <laughs> he, sounds, remember... sounds, sounds about right. And I probably went through the back door, but I wasn't too far. So, <laughs> I just remember seeing Theo walk in and look around like, I'm not supposed to, like, not, I'm not supposed to be here, but just like everybody knows I'm under 21, but we won. So, I'm yeah. out. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, let me, uh, second question. This one comes from Theater and College Hoops at CBB Theater, great college basketball podcast, friend of ours as well. Uh, it says, the topic of Tristan Newton being underrated came up in our group chat, which led me to say that I thought Joel Berry was criminally underrated. Joel, do you, do slash did you ever feel underrated? Uh, always. Um, the reason why is because my game wasn't flashy. I wasn't a high riser. Um, I wasn't a shifty, you know, type of player. I was a winner. Um, everything that I did was effective. Uh, it wasn't sexy, but it got the job done. Um, and I think that's what, you know, that's what I prided myself on. I didn't need to be the guy trying to do, you know, three or four dribble moves, but I also think that's why I was so effective was because I knew how to play with other great players. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference. Um, especially like, I think about like training, like when I was growing up training, I never trained doing all of these combo moves just to get into my shot. Because when you look at the course of a game, when does that really happen? Mm -hmm. You know, unless you're just at a, you know, up under 10 seconds and you just need to go get a bucket. But majority of the time you're playing against guys that are just as good as you are, maybe even better. Um, But it it, it works together. And um, I was just very effective 
and, um, you know, being able to catch and shoot situations or uh, being able to beat the the defense down the court with my speed or mm-hmm. being able to get into the paint with a floater. Um, but majority of it was just working off of the guys that I was playing with. So underrated just because I wasn't, I wasn't the sexiest, but you know, it's sexy because, uh, you know, I got the job done. Um, I had the guns out always and, uh, it was just very effective, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like, honestly, man, just from our perspective as, as a, you're uh, like my biggest memories of you at Carolina, were just kind of getting your head down, getting to the rim and then, then hitting, hitting big shots from three, not necessarily like Euro step in or necessarily putting the dude on skates, <laughs> but just like being a badass and getting to the rim. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Playing, playing below the rim. That was me, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. This next one comes from Albert Tucci at Tucci two, two, eight. Um, and this is actually one of the mo one of my favorite questions that I've seen. Uh, so one first part is if the transfer portal was around when Joel was playing, what opposing player would he try to recruit to play with him at Carolina? Ooh, uh, in my time, yeah, like in 2016, 2017, going to area going into your senior year in 2018, a player that I would have tried to recruit. Um, man, that's a tough one. Uh. Hmm. I don't, I don't know. Probably, probably maybe a Bam Adebayo, uh, because of how effective he was. Um, maybe a Marvin Bagley, uh, trying to think, uh, can't, it's hard to think of, man. I play so many good players out there. Um, I'm just looking at, Based on how Carolina recruited ACC players to transfer in conference this year, I was thinking like, who could Carolina have poached from some of those Notre Dame teams that were really yeah. tough to be like, yo, y'all are going to Elite Eights. That's cool. Come win a title at Carolina. Like, what if y'all had poached like Zach August? Zach, Ag- I can't remember how I say his last name. Zach August? Zach August? That dude. Oh, Zach that- August. Yeah. Zach- yeah, number thirty. That big dude they had. Oh. Uh- he was a good player, but I don't know. I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't know about that one. I think he was just bit. <laughs> Shoot, the guy from Notre Dame that comes to mind for me is freaking Bonzi Colson. Okay, Bonzi, Bonzi would have been tough. Bonzi would have been tough. He I was ridiculous in college. Bro, Bonzi Colson was cold, man. Like, I, I don't even know how to describe. Like, if you told me to put out a scouting report on his game, it was just like – he just made his shots. <laughs> I mean, and it didn't matter what type of shot it was. He always made shots. That dude was cold, man. All I remember about Bonzi Colson was that he was 6'6", but every game they talked about his ridiculous wingspan and how athletic he was. And it just – I don't know if I ever watched a Bonzi Colson game where he had less than 20 points. He just absolutely cooked in college. I'm telling you, man, it was crazy at the, you know, at the four or five spot at six, six, which is, which is wild. I probably, Notre Dame, I probably would have tried to recruit Pat Connington. Oh, um, Pat Connington yeah, would have been a good one too. I got yeah, a good Pat one. Con- I, yeah. What, what is good. it? Uh, Montrez Harrell, North Carolina native. Oh. You can't like, he would have been such a perfect Roy Williams big. Like how did, I don't, I don't even know if Carolina recruited him, but just, I, I remember watching him play at Louisville and knowing he, I think he's from Tarboro and just being like, how, how did this dude not end up in Carolina? Yeah. I think he, I think 
honestly, him going to Louisville kind of, you know, I think that was perfect for him because of uh, Rick Bettino's demeanor. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, Montrez was like the Montrez that everyone knows is, you know, crazy and just high energy. Uh, I think he needed a guy like uh, like Rick Pitino who can match that craziness. Yeah. Uh, to kind of to kind of calm him down a little bit. Uh, but that he would have been he would have been someone else that could have definitely been effective in Coach Williams' system. I had one more, uh, Jacob. This one will will uh, speak to your heart. PJ Dozier. I think he's another North Carolina native. You can't yeah. tell me that, you know, they, they get to the, the, if, if it's in today's era, they get to the final four, uh, the same, y'all same year Carolina does all their players are going to get poached by bigger programs offering better NIL. And I think PJ Dozier would have been fun at Carolina. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He would have been, he was pretty good, man. Uh, just big guard could see the floor. Um, didn't shoot it from the outside, but just being able to use his speed to be able to get down the court. Um, I think he put, he would have been pretty effective. JK, you got anybody who you would have liked to see Carolina? Shoot, post? You just reminded me with this with the South Carolina drop. So the reason he said that would hit close to my heart, Joel. My dad went to South Carolina, so I kind of I kind of okay, grew okay. up grew up watching some some Gamecock athletics. But uh, now now I'm a fan of the real Carolina because I went there. But that's that's <laughs> conversation for a different day, Dad. If you're listening, I'm sorry. But um, yeah, you just gave me another good one. A Joel Berry, Sandarius, Thornwell backcourt would have been absolutely disgusting. Yeah, that dude was tough. Man. He was ridiculous. <laughs> he was so good, dude. That yeah. March run was crazy. Crazy. I did not. It was weird seeing them at the Final Four. To be honest, it was it it was it was very weird uh, because no one expected them to be there. Uh, but man, that dude, that dude played with a lot of heart, man. Just another guy that like, you know, wasn't, wasn't sexy, anything sexy about his game, but he was just like, he was very hard nosed. You knew every day he was going to show up and play really hard, um, mm -hmm. and just got the job done. It was part of the reason why they got to the final four, but yeah, I would have loved to play with him, man. I, that would have been, uh. Yeah, that would have been a tough, tough backcourt. You talk about two hard-nosed guys that like to get after it. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> was there anybody that you played with in Florida that you would have tried to recruit to Carolina in the portal era? Um, I probably off the top of my mind would just would have been um would have been Grayson Allen, but I mean he was over <laughs> at Duke. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he was leaving there. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell. I would have tried to get him to come instead of going to the league after his freshman after his freshman year because I thought at Ohio State like obviously he did his thing but mm -hmm. I would have probably tried to get him to come over and say look man you got the talent come over here and win the national championship so mm -hmm. um, yeah that would those are two Florida guys I know I know D'Angelo's from Kentucky but he spent most of his time in uh in uh in Florida out at uh, Mount Verde so mm -hmm. yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the BetMGM app and sign up today yeah and uh the second second part of albert's question after the portal question was how did you keep those ankles intact during the 2017 tournament run <laughs> people forget uh, two bad ankles two bad man. ankles it was a struggle, man. Like it was like I had my I had my cell phone and I had my trainer on speed dial because every morning uh that was my first phone call because I couldn't get out of bed. Like I literally had him come and work on my ankles when I was laying in bed. Now, uh I obviously I, I was the type of dude I didn't like to sleep with clothes on. So obviously I had to get ready, I had to get up and get some clothes on before he came in there, but uh yeah man I had to that's the only way that I got I got through the tournament man after the first weekend in South Carolina or like during that weekend after our first game when I rolled my ankle against Texas Southern um I actually had to drive to to Charlotte that night and go see a chiropractor um just to be able to get ready for uh the next game against Arkansas which I knew like I had to be ready for that game because it was a dog fight. Uh, and so thankful we won that game. 
Um, but yeah, it was a struggle. Um, a lot of, a lot of medicine taken during that time, like waking up in the middle of the night, having to make sure that I was just keeping it going and going. Um, you know, not a lot of practice time, just a lot of time, just really trying to keep my ankle as warm as possible. Um, and so, yeah, man, it was, it was, it was, it was tough because it was a lot of late hours. You just, trying to get my ankles to go. So uh, not ideal, but it, it, it ended up working out at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah here's really a... tough, man. Tough. We can, uh, next question comes from Jamie Yant at dub JR eight says Joel's Jersey definitely deserves to be in the rafters with the way he played in the 17 final four on two sprained ankles. Uh, but does he feel like Kennedy Meeks's Jersey should be up there somehow as well with how he played in that final four? Yeah, you know, first off, I want to say, um, you know, I, I, Kennedy Meeks was such a huge part of what we did um, and was just phenomenal in the Final Four. Uh, when you look at, you know, some of the plays that kind of saved us down in the stretch, you know, Oregon getting that offensive rebound after I clanked two free throws um, on multiple occasions. Uh, you know, being him and Theo getting those rebounds, um, and then just the the going up against. I want to say his last name is Karnowski, the big guy from Gonzaga. Oh yeah, oh, Shannon yeah. Karnowski. Yeah, going up against him, battling him down low, um, going against Jordan Bill. Like you know, he has some really good, really good guys that he had to show up and, and take it, uh, take it to those matchups. Um, so should his jersey be up there? Yes, we can make a case for that. Um. For me, you could look at it from the same side, you know, in that Gonzaga game, knock down some big time threes at the end of the game. Um, you know, we were Gonzaga, Jacob, to your point, Carolina, typical slow starts. Um, <laughs> and I had a four point play to get everything going, um, you know, so it, you can look at it both ways. And honestly, you know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dude of faith. Um, I feel like whatever God has ordained for you, that's what ends up happening. Um, and you know, I don't do any type of comparison or anything. Um, he put me in those moments. He put me in those situations for a reason. Um, and I leave it all up to him and give thanks mm -hmm. to him because he's the one that made it happen. So, uh, yeah, man, that's a, that's a long winded answer, but you know, you can look at it from the same side, you know, a lot of guys with a team like, like ours, we had a lot of guys in different moments that stepped up and had big moments. Could you say Luke May should be in the uh, rafters? Probably wouldn't be in the championship if it wasn't for him hitting that last second shot. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, another question I'm looking for where it was who responded to it. Someone asked, "What's the what was the most tense moment in the uh, the tournament run?" Now I can't find the question. I, I see it. It's from Tar Heel at UNC is family asked okay. the most tense moment during the 2017 tournament. I think we all might. I think we all know what the most tense one is. Do, do, do y'all know which one I'm going to go with? Uh, personally, for me as a fan, I thought the Arkansas game was more tense than even when Malik Monk hit that like that shot with like three dudes on him, but would you, yeah. would you say that, <laughs> which yeah. one would you say, Joel? Uh, I'm, I, that's the one I was going, I was just curious to see which one y'all think because of the What'd Arkansas. Think, what would you say, JK, before we. God, see, I don't know, man, it's tough. Like it'd be so hard to not 
guess Kentucky just because like the gravity of that moment and just how insane like you're playing against a team that has three dudes who are all really good NBA players and in college like Malik Monk was basically unguardable so just watching (laughs) him hit that shot I, I I was I froze, but on the other hand, I was like, hold up, hold up. This is the redeem team. This is too perfect because it was a very similar shot to the one Marcus Page hit. So I'm like, wait, who's going to be our Chris Jenkins? And it ended up being Luke May. Yeah. Great question in that moment. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you were able to keep your composure and think about that because in the moment I was like, what? What did, what just happened? Because we were we really had that game. Like it Carolina was, was up ten, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, something something like that. We had that game, and it was like th- the reason why it was tense for me was because I rolled my ankle again, and I went to the I went past Coach Pat. I went when I went past the bench, and I said, Coach, I think I'm done, and I think there's a picture out there with his hand like on my back, um, and I just really like I really thought it was done, um. And I went to the back and I popped some meds, man. Told you it's the medicine that kept me going. I popped some meds. I gave it like five minutes and I got up off the table. And I felt like a new man. So got back in there. Uh, Stillman White held it down, which was awesome. And then like just the intensity throughout that whole game was there. And then we get to the end. We're thinking, all right, we got it, guys. Then all of a sudden Malik went back to uh, earlier that year in Vegas and just started hitting everything. I mean, the whole team started hitting everything. I think they they did they miss a shot in like the last minute or so. I don't think so. Uh, and then you know, obviously, thank God for Luke May, and then thank God for Theo Pinson having the composure in that moment to like find Luke wide open. Mm-hmm. If it was me, I was getting ready to take some crazy shot. So uh, just thankful for those two guys. Um, but by far the most intense game for me. Yeah, going back and looking at that box score, Stillman only I, – I remember those big Stillman white men. It's only played five but had a bucket and uh, a couple rebounds in that. And I, I feel like – I yeah. want to say his his bucket was like a reverse lay or something. It was, it was. not like a <laughs> – Like a backdoor cut or something for a uh-huh. reverse layup. <laughs> <laughs> and De'Aaron Fox was shooting like 26, 27-ish percent from three, I want to say, and he made a huge one in the corner to cut the deficit. Like Kentucky – I mean, I think that Monk and Fox backcourt was probably the best we've seen in college basketball the past decade. Uh, Even when you look at the the NBA careers, it's insane they had those two together. And, like, I mean, Bam, I mean, Bam was nowhere near, I think, where he has, like, where he is now with his trajectory with how he sort of made himself, like, a point big. But, I mean, he was still kind of that guy at Kentucky. Um, Oh, yeah. But I always go back to that Arkansas game. Because I, I want to say Arkansas went up eight with like four minutes left. And I remember watching and being like, man, at least we like, at least we won the ACC regular season. I guess. Like, <laughs> but I remember Justin got a stop and Justin got back on defense and was like, or maybe Justin got a bucket and then got back on defense and was like pumping the crowd up. And I was like, okay, if Justin thinks we're going to win, maybe Carolina is really about maybe to do we it. got something. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that game was intense, man. It was, we, we, we thought it was like, we didn't expect Arkansas to come out and play like that. Obviously we knew they had some, uh, 
some bucket getters with Macon, um, and I forget the other guy's name, the the guard. Um, Dusty Hannah's or Jalen Barford, those like Jalen Barford. Okay, yeah, Barford, and yeah, he Dusty. Was yeah, Dusty was was really good too, and really good in the G League, by the way. Um, but yeah, man, it was crazy. And then like I had a call where it could have like borderline been a travel, but I think the refs were on our side. We can't have this one seed getting knocked out right now. We got to move <laughs> these guys on. So I'm, I'm thankful for the refs in that situation too. But yeah, that would you can put that guy that that game down just because it was so early on and no one was was expecting that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also Jacob, remember you, Moses okay. Kingsley just being like so annoying to play against. Oh yes, God Almighty, he was yeah. everywhere. I mean, this was yeah. God, sorry, there was Jacob, so much talent in that tournament. It, mm-hmm. It's genuinely pretty nuts, to be honest. Like you go back and look the amount of NBA, like the amount of NBA guys that were on the court at any given time in that tournament. It, it was it was one of the great ones. I mean. Like that final four was also perfect because, you know, you, you North Carolina, like you guys were were the team that was kind of supposed to be there, and then yeah. Oregon was like the really talented team that nobody really knew if they'd make it to the final four, but they knew they were at least a second weekend team. Then you had Gonzaga, which was the other team that was supposed to be there. Then you had the absolute shocker in South Carolina, and it was just like <laughs> I just both of those games in the Final Four were so good, and then the national championship was obviously ended on a perfect note. So I mean, it, yeah, it, that that tournament that that's one of the more the more fun tournaments that I can remember watching. Mm-hmm. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought the I, previous year was, was pretty fun too. Um, I still I look back at that team, Josh Hart, um, Archer Diakono, uh, Jalen, yeah, Jalen Brunson, um, Mikael Bridges, just all those guys are Jalen Brunson, Mikael Bridges are talented. Josh Hart is crazy, you know. Archer Diakono is hanging around in the league, like, very, and that's not even talented. mentioning Phil Booth, who had twenty points in the title hey. game. The Villanova Knicks, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh I, I I did want to say something. Um obviously you gotta ask about that. Like please just give us like a little walkthrough rundown of everyone's reaction and what happened after that after that shot. Because obviously that's just like I'm, it's heartbreaking because it's heartbreaking as a fan. So I can only imagine the heartbreak you feel as a player in that moment, especially with it being Marcus, who's like been your backcourt mate, like it's his last year. Um, you know, walk us through how how everything went after that shot went in. Yeah, well, I, I will start off by saying I even like when it pops up on the screen, I got a daughter. She's starting to really understand um, – everything and like I have to explain to her you know she's seeing the confetti and I'm like 
no, that's that's one of daddy's worst moments. Um, <laughs> so it's it's uh, I, I hate having to explain that every March Madness. Um, probably will have to the rest of my life. Um, but I will take you guys through like even before the moment. Marcus hits that shot. First off, I almost turned over the ball. Uh, I forget who the what was the big guy's name. Might have been Ochefu. Was that him? Or something, a- something along those lines. I throw a pass and he almost steals it because they were they switched one through five. Uh, but it also led to Marcus being able to have the opportunity to get the shot off. So it kind of worked out perfectly. So he does that crazy shot. I didn't realize what type of shot it was until I watched it after the fact. Um, I just saw it go in and everyone was like, it was like one of those moments where you don't like you just like it's like an awkward celebration because you did not expect it to go in. <laughs> so we call a timeout. We all go to the huddle. We got like this new life. We're like, guys, we this go into overtime. We got this. We got the momentum and everything. So we go back on the court. Everyone's talking. We're making sure we're getting in our spots. Ball gets in. I didn't realize Ochefu, whatever his name is, I didn't realize he was setting the screen. He was setting the screen at an awkward angle like he was in the corner at the half at the half court line like what is he doing but I didn't realize it I was just guarding Archer Diakono I stop him Bryce Johnson is hanging out in the paint and I stop Archer Diakono with the help of Isaiah Hicks and uh uh Jenkins gets the ball and he's wide open and I'm like I, I'm a basketball player I'm like this guy is wide open no hand up He's walking into this. I, I think this, this might be a good shot. This dude, it goes up in the air, and I'm just looking at it. And I'm like, like, you know, you know, when you see a shooter, you're like, that that's good. And it it went in, man. And I swear, as soon as it went in, it was like the rim had like this confetti sensor. Soon as it went in, like the confetti was all over my face. I'm like, hold on, who upstairs knew that this was getting ready to happen? It kind of felt kind of it kind of felt rigged to be honest. Um, but no, man, it was such a crazy moment. Um, and all I could just like I didn't even know where to walk. Like I didn't know to go shake hands. I didn't know. Like I just kind of felt lost. Um, with all the and then you got all this confetti falling over you, so you're kind of like you can't see. Um, so I just walked back to the locker room, man, and uh, devastating moment. So. Mm-hmm. I had I to walk y'all through what that. I was going through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's. I always say, think JK? about that, like whether it's the Super Bowl, whether it's March Mat, like that's got to be the most demoralizing thing ever as an yes. as an athlete to be the opposing team that loses and just have the other team's colors in confetti drowning you essentially. Like it's. Why can they not at least just wait until the team's like cleared <laughs> cleared off the court? Because I well, just... that's the, the the next year when we won it, the confetti didn't drop until like we were on the stage and the team was already off. And Coach Williams went up to the people and they were like, "What are y'all doing?" Last year, last year y'all y'all didn't waste any time. It was like y'all knew the shot was going in. Now <laughs> we win and y'all want to wait for the confetti? What's what are we doing here? <laughs> So, yeah, 
don't hey. know what I don't know what the deal was with that, but it was justice crazy. for the 2017 team. Give them their confetti on time. Nice. Give it to us it's, on time. It's NCAA Can, owes you hey. owes you a box of confetti at your doorstep. <laughs> right. Confetti That's what I'm gate. Confetti gate. Confetti gate is what y'all didn't know y'all needed. <laughs> right. With that, like at that point, we knew the game was won. You know, we had hit free throws, so get the confetti ready. It's like somehow someone knew something we didn't know. So. Hey, how did you – going off of that with like, I mean, just, yeah, the emotions of losing in that fashion, how did – I don't even have a good way to ask this question other than like how did y'all rebound? How did y'all, how did y'all do it? I can't believe – like at the time, I think Carolina fans, we've been spoiled. We've – I mean – Shoot, Carolina's won five national or four, let me think, four national championships in my lifetime and competed for like yeah, six, seven. I can't anyway. Um, like we're we're used to just thinking UNC is gonna be right back there. Like in the moment, I don't think I was on Franklin Street after that win. And I don't know if I realized the gravity of how insane it was that Carolina really lost on a buzzer beater than one of the next year. Like, how did yeah. y'all how did y'all do that? <laughs> Yeah, I think I, that's the thing that kind of just now seeing basketball from a different perspective and how hard it is to get back to that moment. I'm in, the, I'm along the same lines. Like it's not easy. I think a lot of people think just because you have that across your chest or these big time schools that it's all the, you know, it's a given to be able to get back to that point, even if you bring back the same roster. I won't go into detail about it, but we saw what happened to Carolina last year. So that kind of makes it to where, you know, you it's like, OK, it's not easy to do that, even if you have some of the same pieces back. Um, the, how we were able to do it was we just had a bunch of guys that 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 bought into what it is that we wanted to accomplish. And I think like before I got there and my whole thing of going to Carolina was I wanted to win a national championship like that was the one thing that I wanted to do, no matter what, like, forget my jersey being in the rafters, forget being like winning the Maui Invitational, forget being the MVP of the ACC tournament. Like, I didn't care about any of that. I just wanted to win a national championship. And Theo Pinson was the same way. Justin Jackson was the same way. Nate Britt had to be that way, especially after the year prior when your brother mm -hmm. hits the game winning shot to win a national championship. Now you have to get one for those Thanksgiving dinners to kind of, you know, to kind of neutralize the, the, the crap talk. Um, but everyone on the team wanted to win a national championship. And I think that was a difference. So we went into that year, not caring who got the credit, who wanted to, you know, anything that we wanted to do personally, we knew we wanted to get back to that point. And like, we got back to campus, man, we took like, two weeks off and before the, the coaches wanted us to take a little bit of time off because of what happened. And we were already back in the gym um, before they even told us to get started. And, and that's when I knew like, okay, we're, we're locked in. And mm -hmm. so throughout the whole year, we just kept the main thing, the main thing. So, and we knew where we wanted to get. Yeah. Great insight. And uh, kind of going off that, I had a couple more questions than we'll, we'll close it down but this one oh, comes yeah. from uh, this one comes from brian smith at b smitty 2322 ties into the 2017 season if you could take one player from the 2017 team and put them on this current team who would you choose and and you are eligible to choose yourself if you so please take the 2017 and put it on this year's team um 
you know, I would I would go with myself because of my competitiveness, but they already have someone who, you know, is making good things happen. So I'll go with someone, um, someone else. I'll probably say Justin Jackson, um, just because they need a guy at that three spot that can um, that can go get a bucket when you need to have a bucket, um, but do it in a different way. And what I mean is putting pressure mm -hmm. on the rim. Justin didn't necessarily have to get to the rim because of his, you know, being six, eight uh, and being able to get to that floater. But he also had the three point making ability to spread the defense out. Um, and I just think you get a score with someone with a little bit more size than what they have right now. And I think they could use that um, at that three spot. JK, who would you, who would you pick? Um, my answer would probably, it'd probably be Justin as well, just simply because, I mean, you look at it, um, think about the starting five and, you know, I don't think this is a knock on Cormac at all because of who Justin Jackson is as a player, but an RJ, Cadeau, Justin Jackson, Ingram, and Baycott starting five is just that sounds insane. Nice. Like, nuts. <laughs> especially because Justin Jackson used to have one shot in his bag that I never understood how he hit every time. And it was like the 13 foot one handed floaters. He would stay taken from a corner angle. And I never understood how he always hit that shot. Like to the point where it was like, it was so automatic. Like he could do it as his, like a free throw attempt and it go in. That's how that's how automatic it was sometimes, which is which is crazy. I look back at some of the clips like from from the Gonzaga game. He was like all momentum would say this dude is going out of bounds and he just throws it up and it goes in. So I, I yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, Justin was going to be my pick, especially if you get like the Justin with the defensive aptitude he played in the, the tournament run. I feel like he and Harrison Ingram on the wings uh, just being able to come up with a, like, I mean, you have Justin who was taking out Tyler Dorsey, you know, in tournament games and Ingram <laughs> is so good at using his link to get blocks and steals. Like yeah. this would be a scary good defense with that. I would throw in a little bit of love to Isaiah Hicks. You know, uh, I think his ability to having like a true lob threat on the team would really help. Um, I also just love Isaiah Hicks as like a personal favorite. Cause I think he committed to UNC within like 30 minutes of being offered and he is a true Tar Heel. And I'm so glad, you know, yeah. you mentioned the, the, uh, Chris Jenkins hitting the shot, uh, over him. But the next year when he had that, he had that banked in shot that I think put Carolina ahead for good. in, in the, the final two minutes against Gonzaga. So I yeah. got to give Isaiah Hicks some love for sure. Yeah, he's one guy, man. If you if they had cameras, like like uh, should have been a thing, but like a out of season mixtape, like hoop mixtapes or whatever, <laughs> and you, you saw him in in pickup over the summer, man, you would have thought that dude was the number one draft pick. It was it was insane how the, some of the crap he did during summer times. <laughs> I think too, if you had if Isaiah Hicks is you know class of twenty twenty three high school prospect, he's he grows up shooting threes too. And oh, so, oh I, my gosh, yeah. And he, because he was a really good free throw shooter, like he had the touch. Uh, he was, and born he would just hit to... those during the, he would hit those during the summertime, which is mm -hmm. like, 
he would back to the basket, turn around off the glass, like hitting all of that during practice. But obviously, you know, sometimes, you know, in the system that you're in, you don't get a chance to do some of those things during the, uh, during the, during the regular season. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but great pick, great picks though. Uh, this was a bonus question from B Smitty. The same one who asked that question. This is for Joel. How much do you rag on Carlos Boozer for his beard off camera? <laughs> 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 uh, I don't have I don't have to do it much because Booze does it himself. He 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 knows that 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 uh that incident that he had was uh you know he couldn't he couldn't do that again with the with the with the stuff dripping. Um, he knew he couldn't do that anymore. And he talks about it. he was like, man, I don't know. I like at the time the dude told me about it. I said, yeah, that looked fresh, and I I did it. And he was like, but. When I when I look back on it now, I'm a light skinned brother. I can't do that. You know, maybe a dark skinned brother can get away with it, but me, I'm too light skinned. That stuff stands out. So, uh, yeah, no, we he talks about it all the time, um, and I'm glad he does because now I don't have to bring it up. He can just bring it up himself, and I can get a good laugh out of it. Um, but it it is hilarious though thinking about thinking about that. Um, and yeah, I think he. You ever want to show someone? Why not to do it? Just pull up a clip of Carlos Boozer and he'll it'll he'll it'll let you know and he'll let you know if you ever ask him. <laughs> <laughs> JK, did you have any questions you wanted to wanted to ask? Um, I think that I got, covers just about all of them. I mean, I got to ask most of my questions off of uh that they they kind of tied into other people's questions, so it kind of worked out perfectly. All right, I I got one. We can close with this one. So Joel, uh, you and RJ Davis played one on one to eleven. Let's say you get a three dribble max. What's what's the score? Okay. Um, are, where where are we on the court? Are we in the middle? Are we elbow? Are we? Let's say you start from the top of the key. Okay, three dribble max. Um, man, that's tough. Uh, RJ got some. He got some. He got some moves to him, man. Um. But you guys know I'm not going to sit on here and lie to y'all and say I'm not going to pick myself. That would be crazy. <laughs> that would be absolutely crazy. But, uh, no, it would be good. I'm, I'm going to go with myself um, uh, just because I feel like, you know, I was able to get my shot off um, quite a bit. Uh, and I've done three-game uh, – I've done three-dribble max with Kendall Marshall and Theo Pinson, and I won a lot of those. Um, and those are two guys that have really good size. Um, I don't know if RJ has played against other guys and have done that, but we would do that often. And that's the reason why I asked from where, cause we would do it. We would do it from the elbow. We would do it from the wing. We would do it from the corner, which is tough. Cause you can really only go one way mm -hmm. unless you just, you know, bait somebody going middle and then go back baseline. So we used to play those games often. Um, and I think I'm pretty good with, uh, limiting my dribbles and being able to be effective. What would your uh, what would your tactic be against RJ? How how would you how, how would you attack him with the three dribbles? I would, I would use my strength. He only has three dribbles. You know, I would just I would be able to keep a hand up, get on his strong side, uh, so he couldn't get up into his shot and uh, kind of press up in him, but not give him a straight line drive, but kind of direct him. You know, angle him to the outside elbow, outside of the elbow, and use my strength that I have because RJ he he's a little guy, you know. He's a little guy compared to me. So uh, I would use my strength to kind of keep him out of the paint um, with the three, three dribble max. So 
it makes it easy for me. You know, he's pretty shifty. So if he, yeah, true. Had, yeah, if he had unlimited dribbles, you know, it'd be a different ball game. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I could still get to him and, um, compete, but, uh, with dr three dribbles, I would kind of use my strength. I would use the, go with the old man, the old man tactic, you know, put the body on him. <laughs> hey, we've got to get you back in Chapel Hill this summer then get, get in on some of those pickup actions and let's, let's see what happens. I don't know, man. It's like, it's hard to gain and look like the way that I did, but it is so fast to lose it. And I'm, I'm, I'm walking out of the church sometimes having to take some ibuprofen and Advil. So I don't know about that one. He <laughs> might, he might be able to get me. <laughs> um, great questions. Thanks to everybody who submitted JK. Do you want to close with any, you got any ideas for four corners to wrap it up? Um, let's see. Four corners. All right. We'll, we'll go on the topic of this. Cause we talked about it a little bit off camera outside of Duke and UNC. We will exclude them from this conversation. Joel, who are the four best teams in the ACC, which is apparently a four-bid league to the Mountain West six? So please enlighten us on the two next best teams beside Duke and UNC and then the two teams that, according to Joe Lenardi, have no chance of making the NCAA tournament. Look, I, I mean, I didn't want to get into this conversation, but I just want to start by saying the ACC Mountain West. Let's 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 be honest. We this whole podcast we have talked about, you know, some of the great great players that have come through Carolina, but we also talked about all the great players that are that are on other teams, um, and. ACC is by far and will always be one of the best, one of the best conferences in the, in the country. And the mountain West is, isn't even close to the ACC. So I'll go ahead and establish that, but to get into your question, um, the four best teams outside of Duke and North Carolina, I will go, I got to go with Virginia. Tony Bennett has been unbelievable um, with Virginia and what he has done. I will have to go. Are we talking about right now? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, like this season. I'm going to go with Clemson. I know they had a drop off coming into league play, but that's a really good team. Like that's a really good team led by PJ Hall. They have a lot of good pieces, a lot of good length, a lot of shot making ability. Um, then I will have to go wait for us. They have one of the best probably starting fives in the country. Um, and then, oh, that fourth one's going to be tough, man. I'm going to have to go pit. I'm going to have to go pit because recently the way that their two guards in Jalen Lowe and Bub Carrington being freshmen have developed over the season really well. And I just like some of the pieces that they have with, uh, with some um, like switchability um, and some versatility at the four spot with one of the the Diaz brothers, um, and then Blake Henson playing out of his mind. Um, I just like their team, so I go with those four: Virginia, Clemson, uh, Wake Forest, and Pitt. Solid. Would you would you change anything to that, J.K.? Right now, I, I don't think I would. I really don't. I mean, I think had you told me before the year 
Miami wouldn't be a top six team in the ACC, I'd have been like, you're insane. But they look bad. And uh, they, look, they look like they're done. Yeah, they they, they look like they're <laughs> mentally checked out. But yeah, I mean, I'd say that's the four. I And I think all four of those teams should be tournament teams. I'm sorry. They, they should be. Especially like what Pitt's done. I understand Duke was missing guys, but they still went into Cameron and they won. That's a huge yep. win. Wake's just been really good. Virginia's done enough. And then, you know, Clemson's just, they come into the Dean Dolman win. And, you know, it's Duke had to escape against Clemson. So, it, mm-hmm. That's a really good team, man. I, I agree with those four. Yeah, I, I same here. I think Pitt's been playing really well recently. Like you said, Joel, Jalen Lowe is kind of taken off during league play. Um, yeah. I wanted to think Florida State could get there because, I, I mean, I think Jameer Watkins is such a hooper and very, has a super versatile game, but they're like a guard or two short. Um, and they've dropped too many bad losses like I think they're done Virginia Tech on the right day can look like a tournament team I mean they did against Virginia but I think they've probably taken too many bad losses at this point but I don't know I, I would say I guess the only other thing I would add out I, I think um I mean honestly I'd be shocked if it wasn't one of UNC Duke or Clemson that wins the ACC tournament but it's it's I feel like there's a world where we could see Virginia Tech get the auto bid like just because we've seen Mike Young do that before he did that two years ago with Tech um yeah and I think their style with being able to make a bunch of threes, like it's conducive to getting really hot for a three or four day stretch, you know, but. Yeah, I th- I, I believe so too. All it takes is one game um, for you to be good. And I think that's why I'm, I'm, I'm so about the ACC just being a strong league is because we've seen so many teams at the top that have gone down to mm-hmm. you know the bottom the bottom teams um and, you know i don't like to put it that way it's just you know that's mm-hmm. you got your top and you got your bottom but i just think we've seen it so much this year that um and you're playing on a neutral court and uh that makes a difference so i just think in the acc all you got to do is like the tournament you know all you have to do is win one game and one of those top teams can be out of there just like that right so. right yep Great show today. Yeah. Appreciate all I the other guys. Again. Yeah. Thanks for being, thanks for hopping on Joel. We'll have to have you back another time. Uh, maybe during the NCAA tournament, we can, we can see if, see if there's a, a player on this team that can match your lore of uh, getting your ankles worked on before you got out of bed. <laughs> no, I don't wish that on anyone. I don't wish that on anyone. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully we keep avoiding injuries. Let's, uh, yeah, let's stay exactly. Carolina's that's a really good injury luck, but uh, yeah. Thanks again for being on. I'm Riley. That's JK. Thanks for thanks for listening to the pot is the roof. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.